Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. This has been an incredibly difficult week. On Monday, I started working through how I could meet a friend's request. And he had called me to let me know that his grandmother had passed away and she was living in Portsmouth. And would I travel down to Virginia Beach to officiate her funeral for him? And as a pastor, I want to do that. But as a friend, I wanted to do it even more. And so I was trying to figure out how I could drive down Friday evening and do the funeral at 11 on Saturday and then come home so I could be with you here today. And as I was trying to work out the logistics for this, I received a call from a family in incredible duress because their 18-year-old was going to be removed from life support. And they wanted to know if this church would host and if I would officiate his funeral. Of course, of course we will do that because we are called to comfort those who mourn. And we understand what it means to mourn alone and we refuse to let someone do that and so with all of that swirling in my head and thinking about what would be necessary for that I was also paying very close attention to some things that were happening in our denomination and I thought that given what I had received at the beginning of the week that I would be able to simply read to you during our welcome that in accordance with a request that was made at the last general conference in 2016, that global gathering of the United Methodist Church, where clergy and laity from all over the world gathered together, this time in Portland, Oregon, that we would be able to announce to you that there would be a special called general conference. I received a letter from the Council of Bishops letting me know that it would be February 23rd to the 26th of 2019 in St. Louis, Missouri, and that there, the sole purpose of this called General Conference one year before our next scheduled one would be limited solely to receiving and acting upon the report from the Council of Bishops based on the recommendations of the Commission on a Way Forward. And I was going to let you know that at the last General Conference, once more the question of human sexuality came up in the church it's a question that had been swirling in the life of the church from the end of the 60s and certainly all the way through. And it had been deferred and it had been tabled. And finally, in 2016, the question was called. And it was painful and difficult to call that question. And as it was done, we realized at General Conference that despite the fact that this was a conversation that had happened in other denominations, despite the fact that it was a conversation that was happening in our own denomination, we were woefully unprepared. That we had not done the work necessary to vote on such a decision. And so we prayed. We prayed those of us who were watching and we prayed those of us who were listening and those of us who were delegates that were attending. We prayed. And finally... A delegate stood up and begged 
our bishops to lead us, begged that they would do their job and help us to figure out what we were supposed to do when a question this personal, this difficult comes before the global church. Lead us, they said. And the bishops, by the grace of God, heard, received this, and decided to establish a commission of 32, a mixture of laity and clergy, to find a way forward. Knowing that we would have a called general conference, that before the four-year period was up, that we would call all of those same delegates back together to finally vote and determine what the United Methodist Church would look like with regards to human sexuality. And I'm watching all of this, and I thought that I would be encouraging you to join me in prayer and and wrestle with this, not only as individual Christians, but as a local congregation of the United Methodist Church. And then I kept watching the news coming out of our church. And it so happens that after the 2016 General Conference, after we had agreed as the body of Christ that we would discern and read the scripture and pray and search our doctrine and our theology for a way forward through this commission, the Western Jurisdictional Conference on the West Coast consecrated an openly gay, self-avowed practicing bishop. And it broke my heart because when they did that, they subverted the system that we had agreed upon We had agreed that we would enter and do this together. And that jurisdictional conference had decided that it would happen when and where they determined. And so another jurisdictional conference made up of many conferences here in the United States, the South Central centered around Texas, determined that they would file charges against that bishop. And the wound deepened. And so at the end of this past week, the Judicial Council, the highest committee in the church in all the world, met. They are our Supreme Court, and they met to review the petition by the South Central Jurisdiction against one of the bishops of the Western Jurisdiction, and they issued their ruling. And their ruling stated that according to current church law in our Book of Discipline, that that consecration was against our current law. They made no judgment about it morally or ethically, but only in the sense of legality. And the Judicial Council does not enforce these decisions. Instead, it goes back to the Western Jurisdictional Conference and the bishops of that conference to implement the decision and the ruling. And in the midst of all of this, as I'm watching... I have friends on both extreme ends of the spectrum with regards to human sexuality bombarding me with text messages and Facebook messages and emails and even a phone call. And as they're doing this, the situation could not appear more dire. It could not be more dark and depressing. And both ends of the spectrum assume that I stand with them, just like the election in November, And the things that are coming out of their mouth about their colleagues and their brothers and sisters in Christ on the other end from them are eviscerating me. Because the truth is that this is an incredibly 
personal, complicated conversation. It is about the full expression of what it means to be a Christian. What do our scriptures say? What is God calling forth? What is our tradition? What is our theology and our doctrine? It is not a simple, this is love versus hate. It is not a simple of legalism versus freedom. It is not that simple. And it is not about who can have sex and who can't. And to boil it down to that is to deny the humanity of the conversation. And I found myself in this midway point of mediating between people who know better. And I found myself in this dark place of hopelessness. And that coupled with the encounters and death that I was going through and preparing myself not only to officiate for someone who I love deeply, but somebody who I don't know, but I know is loved. I was so overwhelmed. I could feel my blood pressure rising and my blood sugar dropping. I could feel my heart thumping in my chest. And you know that stinging you get when a headache's coming? I could feel it. And I did the only thing I know how to do. I prayed. I just stopped and I prayed. And all throughout the weekend, it was just constant stopping and praying. I prayed at gas pumps. I prayed in the car. I prayed while washing dishes. I prayed while folding laundry. I prayed while I was actually talking to somebody on the phone. God, give me patience. Because the truth is, that it's not just me who feels this way. Because when that decision came out, my friends from the end, the end camps on both sides of the issue were like, that's it, we're breaking. And I'm not sure that that's the Christian response to struggling. I'm not sure that that is the way that the church that has been monumental in bringing grace to the world and to the understanding of the larger universal Christian church should just say, that's it, we're getting a divorce. I've been divorced. I know how ugly and hurtful and painful that is. And I'm not ready to watch my church get divorced. Because the truth is that this isn't just a flippant decision for me. Being a United Methodist has been a lifetime journey. I was born into this church because my parents were Methodists. And yes, I was confirmed into this church when I was 12 and didn't really know any better. But the truth is that as I became a teenager, I was empowered to learn and make my own decision. And so I was that child that when my friends would invite me over for Saturday night sleepovers and the parents would go, just so you know, girls, we're getting up and going to church in the morning. I was like, yes, let's go. Because I want to know what the Episcopalians are doing. I want to know what Presbyterianism is. I wanted to encounter Catholicism so that I can make the best decision for me on what I'm supposed to be. And Methodism was winning out. And then I went to college and I determined that I was going to have an undergraduate degree in non-Christian religion so that I could truly stand before you and say, I have seen it all. I have read it all. I have researched it all. I have even encountered almost all of it now. And I can tell you with total conviction that I am a Christian. And so I did. And what I found out was not only is my way, my path, the, the means by which God has called me to salvation, Jesus Christ. But I can tell you that as I started to truly read our book of theology and doctrine, our book of discipline, that my heart sang. Because... John Wesley, for all of his glory and his goodness, and for, for a man who was a 
foundational part of our church and who never was actually Methodist but Anglican, who grew up as a good, solid Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ, who was an apostle of the modern era when we look back, that he and all of those general conferences since the formation of the church had created a document that was able to look deep within my head and my heart and make my spirit sing, resounding in the truth that I read there, that this was not just my church, this is my home. I was born into this church. I was baptized and confirmed here, and I have been ordained here, and I stay here because this is my home. Here, I am welcomed by God the Father. Here, I am siblings with Jesus Christ. Here, the Holy Spirit empowers and infuses me in a way that I have never felt anywhere else in the world. God has called me to this and sent me here to you. And that is because of the United Methodist Church. So no, I'm not ready to let it break. I'm not ready to encourage its divorce. And I don't believe that we have to go the way of our Lutheran and Episcopalian and Presbyterian brethren. Because I don't think Methodists have been like everybody else from the beginning. I think that we are a special people. We are a church where more people from other denominations are able to bring their families here, people who would be divided by church find common ground. Here is where grace is in every prayer, every sermon. Grace, that gift, that freedom to go forth and try again and do well is here. It is in our fabric. It is in our carpet. It is in everything that we live and breathe and do in this church. And I don't believe that Jesus Christ wants us to be broken. I believe that Jesus Christ came to heal, to make whole, to transform, to transfigure us, to look more like Jesus Christ, who was one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not ready to say goodbye to the United Methodist Church. I thought that I would simply ask you if you would join me in prayer or some of you to actually join me because it didn't take me very long of prayerfully discerning that I was going to be there in February of 2019. Nobody's elected me and has sent me, and nobody's going to, but I'm going to go crash this general conference. <laughs> and I'm going to crash it because I need to be on the ground praying, watching, listening, because I do believe that holy conferencing happens in the United Methodist Church, that when Methodists gather together, that the Spirit moves, and it doesn't just Come from me and make you believe what I'm saying. It moves between us. It moves over us and under us and through us and in our midst. And lives and thoughts and theologies have been changed in the midst of that kind of movement. I didn't invite Kelly into a church because I thought it was on life support. I didn't baptize Audrey into a faith that I thought was going to be so fractured that there wouldn't be any church for her to come back to when she was an adult. I invited them in because I believe that we can survive this. I believe that God can do something in the United Methodist Church that other denominations have not been able to do. I believe that God can show us a way forward. And one of my pastors from when I was in high school is on that commission of 32. 
And I have faith in him. I know that he is faithful. And I know that while I can't see anything but clouds of dust storms of fighting and pain and suffering, that God will grant those 32 vision and they will see the way forward. And I am praying that we as the church will listen. We will listen to their words. We will pray for ourselves and we will discern. And we will make decisions that will have ripple effects that the world cannot even comprehend. Because next to the Baptist church, we are the largest Protestant denomination. And I'm not ready to watch us splinter and break. I took it to heart when I was ordained in the United Methodist Church. I believe that we are called to be a whole people. That because you don't know who I voted for, we can still come here and worship Jesus Christ. Because you don't know where I stand on this issue, we can still welcome everybody here to encounter Jesus Christ. Because I have not forgotten that I am a sinner and I seek to be made into a saint. I have not forgotten that others are yearning for that same transformation. And if a sinner like me can come before you, then who am I to deny anyone? All people belong in the church of Jesus Christ. All of us. And I am not willing to close one of those doors and only invite half of you in. Nor will I be part of anyone that wants to kick half of you out. And so I will pray. And there will be days that I will drop down on my knees and I will pray for patience and for endurance and for hope. Because sometimes it is dark And Peter is telling us that if we claim to be children of God most high, that we have to submit to God's will. And God gave us this gift, this scripture, this holy text, not through one voice, but through many, 66 books of the Bible. And more than 66 people wrote them. All of these voices of God coming through to us. And there are those who say, well, you just have to read it. If you just had to read it, I wouldn't be standing here preaching to you. This is a living text, which means that it will speak to our current context, our struggles, and the issues that we have here today. But unless we gather together and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we read this, then it's nothing but a decoration on an altar. And so we must endeavor and struggle together. We must reject those voices that say, give it in throw in the towel, it's over. Instead, we must say that Christ is stronger than our differences. That I can be with you because Christ is for you. And I hope and pray that you can be with me because Christ is for me too. This is an incredibly difficult time in the life of the church. And I have never been more afraid of the future of the United Methodist Church than I am right now. And yet, every time I start to get depressed, I think back on all the incredible things that have happened just since I got here, July 1st. And I think if God can do all of that in the midst of our struggle, then why should I be afraid? And on those days when I really do feel like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death of my denomination, 
I keep reading and I go forward and I remember that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear. That God's rod and staff, they comfort me and may they comfort you. And that even in the midst of this, our cups runneth over and goodness and mercy will follow all of our days. Because right now, I'm spending every day praying that there's a United Methodist Church for Audrey. I'm praying that there's a United Methodist Church for us. Because the truth is that this church is bigger than me and my beliefs. This church is bigger than any of us. This church is for Jesus Christ. And we serve a church whose sole mission whose only purpose in being is to make disciples of that same Jesus Christ, to transform the world. And I have to believe that Christ wouldn't give us that mission if it could not be done. That we can do this. And so I ask for your prayer. I ask you to join me in prayer. And if after prayer you think that you want to go there, then we will go. And there in St. Louis, we will be tangible, physical signs that there are those who have hope. There are those who refuse to let anything separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. As we continue through these months and years, let prayer be the tether to Christ our foundation. And may this church be the living, breathing embodiment of what can be and not what is. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.